we turn to our message today, if you grab your Bible, uh, we've been looking at the emotions of Jesus uh, in this season of Christmas. Um, so last week, we, we looked at the emotion of Christ's compassion. And we talked about how sometimes we view emotions as positive, sometimes we view emotions as negative. And of course, in a sinful world, sometimes our emotions can be positive, sometimes they can be negative. But when we read the New Testament, what we see from Jesus is someone who has fully God and fully man experienced the full range of human emotions. So again, we looked at compassion last week from the book of Matthew. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at the anger of Jesus from the Gospel of Mark. Then next week, we're going to look at the sadness of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. And then finally, on Christmas Eve, we're going to look at the joy of Jesus from the Gospel of John. So that the four biographies of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and these four emotions. And really, the goal of this is twofold. So the, the goal is, one, for us to appreciate the Christmas season more, because what we're celebrating in the Christmas season is Jesus coming and taking on himself a human nature, and we see that so clearly in the emotions of Jesus. But then also the goal of this series is to help us learn to understand and to wrestle with our own emotions. We all face emotional ups and downs, especially at Christmas where there's the emotion of joy, there's the emotion of sadness, maybe of people you've lost as you reflect on this time, and there's the emotion of frustration or frustration with the materialism of our culture, all the different forms of frustration that can come. So how do we wrestle with these things that we, we look at the true humanity of Jesus, we look at his emotions to shape us today? And so grab your, your Bible, if you have it with you, uh, and turn to the book of Mark. Um, the book of Mark. Now, before I, I read this, I did want to say just as a very side note uh, for about this, this service that I'm always thankful for this carol service, but one of the things that made it especially, especially special to me was um, having both Debbie and RJ read today. I mean, for those of you who know, they've been going through a lot of health struggles in the last year, so having them both read was just really important and you know, it was an encouragement for me today. Uh, but again, Turn to the book of uh, Mark, uh, and then we're going to be looking at chapter 3, Mark chapter 3. Um, now, the, the book of Mark is, uh, according to most scholars, the earliest gospel. This was written uh, most likely about 20 years after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And it was written by a man named John Mark, who was first a companion of Paul and Barnabas, and then later, according to tradition, a companion of Peter, heard Peter tell stories about Jesus and then recorded those stories for us in the Gospel of Mark. And it's this brief, to-the-point gospel, but it has some of the most clear passages of what we'll talk about today, about the, the anger of Jesus, this strong emotion of our Lord. So again, this is Mark chapter 3, and I'll begin reading in verse 1. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man with a withered hand, so, and there was a man with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so they might accuse him. 
And he said to the man with the withered hand, Come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved by their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was was restored. And the Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the, the true emotional life of our Savior, Jesus. And today, as we look at this text, we, we reflect on the anger of our world, our own struggles with anger. So as we want to learn about this emotion from Jesus, please guide our understanding, guide our understanding of this text, guide my words. So I pray all of this in Jesus' name. So in these verses, then, we see Jesus, he's in the synagogue. He is there on the Sabbath. And it says that there was a man in the synagogue who had a withered hand. And so as this man was present, suffering from this withered hand, the, the religious leaders were watching the situation. And so here's a man who is suffering, but instead of caring about the man who is suffering, the religious leaders are watching Jesus because they want to see if Jesus is going to heal on the Sabbath because they thought if Jesus heals this man on the Sabbath, we'll have a cause to bring an accusation against him. Because according to their misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the fourth commandment and the Ten Commandments, they thought that it would be wrong for him to heal on the Sabbath. Because after all, you could have healed on any day of the week. Why heal on the Sabbath? That's a form of work. There's not an urgent need here, Jesus. And so as Jesus understands what is going on in the situation, it says in the text that he called the man with the withered hand over to himself. You can imagine him coming over to Jesus. And then it says that as the man comes over, Jesus begins to address the religious leaders. And he asks them a profound theological question. He says, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? So he's saying, what is the purpose of the Sabbath? Why did God create the world in six days and rest on the seventh day and set this pattern of work and rest? Was it to destroy life or to heal life? Was it for the, the human flourishing or to tear people down? And so as Jesus asks this question, he stops and there's this moment of silence in the room. And no one is answering Jesus. And as the silence continues, it says that Jesus looked around at them with anger. And just imagine that, Jesus looking around with anger. That there was something in his face that showed that he was moved within his heart, that he was moved with the emotion of anger. Just imagine what it would have been like to be there in that synagogue watching Jesus in the awkward silence as this emotion wells up within Jesus. He is moved 
with anger. So we think then about this this concept of anger. There's a, a great book called Untangling Emotions. It's published by Crossway. I haven't read it all. My wife has been reading it. Uh, but I did look at the section on the anger of Jesus. And it says that, that anger is one of the fundamentally moral emotions. That even compared to other emotions, it's moral at its root. Because what anger does is it looks at something and says, that is wrong. And it responds to this wrong. And in another great book by B.B. Warfield on the emotions of Jesus, he says this. He says that it would be impossible, therefore, for a moral being to stand in the presence of perceived wrong, indifferent and unmoved. Precisely what we mean by moral being is a being perceptive of the difference between right and wrong and reacting appropriately to right and wrong perceived as such. And so what that's saying is that that what anger does is it looks at something that is perceived as wrong. Now, obviously, sometimes as sinful people, we, we perceive things in a selfish way, in a wrong way, that our anger can so often be unjustified. It can be this unrighteous anger. But yet anger, as this fundamental human emotion, is this response of a moral creature to moral evil, to something that is wrong. It's saying this is wrong. And that's what is happening with Jesus here. He sees what is wrong. It says that he saw the hardness of heart of the religious leaders. And actually, just about every time that it talks about the anger of Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus is angry at self-righteous religious leaders, that he was always so gentle and kind to the, to the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the sinners. But when he confronted the hypocrisy of religious, hypocritical leaders, this is where his anger tended to come out. And what he's doing is he's seeing the hardness of heart towards this man with the crippled hand, with the withered hand. And Jesus is saying, this is wrong. This hardness of heart is wrong. The self-righteousness is wrong. This is not the way that it should be. And so he's moved within his heart. And I think that as we reflect on our own lives, that this anger of Jesus that we see here in the text is important for us in two ways. So first, this anger of Jesus challenges our indifference. Because often we can think about the problem of anger in our culture. And yes, there is a problem with anger. We see so much anger in media or in politics or on social media. And we think about about how much anger can motivate evil in our world. But there is an equal problem, and it's the problem of complete and utter indifference to the reality of evil and injustice where we see something that is wrong and we're so hard in our hearts that we don't respond to real evil in the way that moral creatures should respond, that we are cold, we're unmoved, we don't feel anything. And so part of the challenge here then is for us to to pray for hearts that are soft. Uh, Not that we would pray for an anger problem, that's not what we're praying for, But we're praying for hearts that when we see evil, that our heart responds in a way that is true for a moral creature created in the image of God, where we see injustice against people created in the image of God, and we feel that injustice, that we are moved 
by the sight of evil in the world. And so this is a, a challenge to our indifference. But this anger of Jesus here is also a comfort to those who suffer, and especially a comfort for those who have suffered abuse or injustice in different ways. Because maybe even some of you have suffered abuse, physical abuse or spiritual abuse or sexual abuse or all the different forms that abuse comes in and, and, you, and you reflect on the, the pain in your life and the fallout of that in your life and you wonder, what does Jesus think of the abuse that you have experienced? Is he indifferent? Is he uncaring? Is he unconcerned? What is his emotion? And what we see here is that, that Jesus, he is moved by the sight of injustice, that he is angry with this holy, righteous anger at the one who perpetrated the abuse in your life. And, th and this anger that he experienced in his true humanity is also a reflection of the, the divine anger, according to his divine nature, that God himself, according to Scripture, it's not this fleeting emotion of human anger, but yet it says in Scripture that God burns with this eternal, righteous, holy opposition to all that is wrong and all that is evil. It says in Scripture that one day Jesus will return in glory and that he will tread the winepress of the wrath of God. And it says in Scripture that Jesus, when he judges the world, will hold those accountable who have committed these terrible things. And, and of course, that's a warning then as well, even for us as we think about the injustice that we perpetrate against others, that Jesus is not indifferent, that he takes it seriously, that he is moved, that he is filled with this holy, this righteous anger, this opposition to all that is wrong and contrary to his nature. So again, this challenges us, it comforts us, it, it also warns us. But look again at your, your Bible, at verse 5. So look again at Mark chapter 3, verse 5. It says that Jesus looked around at them with anger, and then it adds something else. It says that he, with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And so you could say that, that the source of the anger of Jesus was his sight of this injustice, of this hardness of heart among the religious leaders. But then if you said, what is the nature of, of the anger of Christ here, that it's not just this, this anger that is, that is harsh, that's vindictive, but it's this anger that is mixed and that flows out of grief, that he is grieved at their hardness of heart. And this is exactly what we see from Jesus elsewhere in the New Testament. There's this famous passage in the Gospel of John, chapter 11, where Jesus' friend Lazarus is sick. And so Lazarus' sisters send word to Jesus. They say, he's sick. Come quickly to heal him. But then it says that Jesus intentionally delayed so that he could display his glory and his authority and his power over death. And so he waited until Lazarus died, and then he went. And as he shows up, people are mourning, people are crying, people are upset. And this is what it says in John chapter 11 beginning in verse 32. It says, Now when Mary came 
to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved. And when we see that, that phrase, deeply moved, we can miss it in English, but in the original language in, in Greek, this word can also be translated, he was angry. He was indignant. Even in the ESV translation, there's a footnote that will take you to the bottom, and it says that he was indignant. And so you look at that and you say, wait a second, Jesus was indignant? He was angry? What, what was he angry about? And I think as we reflect on that, we can see that, that he was indignant, and perhaps indignant at the unbelief. That as much as he had done, that people didn't trust him. They didn't trust his authority over death. They didn't trust his, his sovereignty. They didn't trust his plan of why he was late. It wasn't an accident that he was late, that, that he felt moved with indignation. But then also I think it was indignation at the reality of death. That death is not the original design. Death is the great enemy. That he's confronting death and that he is angry at the reality of death, that he is indignant at the reality and the suffering that this is causing. So then it says that he was indignant, he was troubled in his spirit, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. And that's the shortest verse. Uh, it's Jesus wept, and that's where we often focus. But just notice how there, Jesus, his anger against death, against unbelief, is combined with this deep grief that he weeps with them, he feels with them, he is moved along with them with this emotion of sorrow that we'll look at next week. And I think that as we then think about the nature of righteous anger, what is righteous anger? That it is always mixed with grief and compassion. And so practically then, when you feel angry and you're wondering, is this godly anger or is this ungodly anger? How, how should I process my anger? That we can ask ourselves questions like this. Do I feel godly grief for the sinner? Do I feel compassion? Do I have a desire for the person who is perpetrating this sin to repent and return and experience full forgiveness and, and full restoration in the Lord? Is that my desire? Am I moved with grief in the situation? Or am I just trying to lash out? Or am I trying to respond in violence? That, that if, it's, if it's the violent response, then there's a good chance that it's actually the unrighteous anger, that it, the anger that we're warned about in James, where he says, let every person be Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man, this unrighteous anger, does not produce the righteousness of God. So again, we pray to the Lord, Lord, please give me grief. Give me compassion. It's the, the, what people say so often, hate the sin, love the sinner, that we can be we can feel this holy, righteous anger at the reality of sin in the world, but also feel grief and compassion for those committing it. So again, this grief and this compassion together. So we said that the source of his anger then was 
the side of evil in the world. The, the nature of his anger was this grief mixed with this holy, righteous anger. But then finally, as you look again at your Bible, you can turn back to Matthew 3, look at verse 5 again. And here we see the outcome of this anger of Jesus. He says, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and he was restored. And so you see, what was the outcome of the anger that Jesus expressed here in the text? That that he could have lashed out at the people who were filled with a hardness of heart. He could have brought fire down from heaven in that moment and and brought judgment then and there. But what did Jesus do with his anger? That, that as he was moved, it moved him to then reach out with healing, to reach out with restoration. And that's how we can think about righteous anger as well. That it, it reaches out to heal, to restore, to see what is wrong made right. And so as you think about your own anger, that could be a good test. That when you're angry, are you going to try to respond in that harsh, violent way with the unkind word, with the, the yell, with the, the insult? How do you respond? What, what flows out of you? And if that's what's coming out, then it's the, the unrighteous anger that we're warned about so often in Scripture. It's not the pattern that we see here from Jesus. It's not the God-honoring emotion and instead, we would listen to Proverbs 16.32 that says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. But yet, if you're feeling moved at the reality of evil in the world, that's wrong, the reality of death, of suffering, and they say, this isn't the way that it should be, this is wrong, that if in that moment that that emotion wells up to actually motivate you to to step out to seek healing, to seek forgiveness, to seek renewal, to seek restoration. That that isn't going to be complete in this life. It's not something that we can accomplish completely by our own strength. But that's then the kind of anger that is the righteous anger. It's the anger of Ephesians 4 verse 26 that says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, that it motivates this righteous action. It motivates us to step out to seek healing and renewal. And ultimately, that's what this whole service has been about. I mean, this is a, a lessons and carol service. Remember, I said a moment ago that, that God is a God of anger, of wrath. We see that over and over again in the scriptures where, it, where it'll attribute the emotion of anger to the Lord. And that is God as he looks at humanity created to love him, to serve him, to glorify him, walking away to their own way, to, to worship the create the creature rather than the creator, and that God is, is moved with this eternal opposition to what is wrong, what is contrary to his nature. But then you say as, as, as he is standing in opposition to sin, what does that motivate him to do? What is the outcome? That's what we see in Scripture, this deep love, this deep grief, this deep compassion that then motivates him to step out in the plan of redemption, to 
And the promise that we saw all the way in the reading from Genesis, that eventually there would come the offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent, that he would be victorious over death, that he would defeat evil once and for all while being bruised in the process, that there would be victory over what is wrong. And that promise continued to grow first to to Abraham, to David, in the prophets, culminating in Jesus as truly God and truly man and one person lived a perfect life, died a sacrificial death. And that's what we saw in the final reading in the Revelation where he makes all things new. He restores everything. And just as this man stretched out his hand and they said, and he was healed, that eventually the promise of the Lord is complete restoration of all things in the new heaven and the new earth. And that is then our call today as well, to, to say, to see the compassion of Jesus, the, the anger of Jesus, the hostility to all that is wrong. And then like this man with the crippled hand, to, to hold out our crippled hearts to Jesus, our withered hearts, saying, Jesus, please renew it. Please give me life. Give me forgiveness. And, and that he pours it out onto us freely, giving us life and forgiveness and hope beginning now, but ultimately resurrection and the life to come, complete joy with our God forever, with our Lord Jesus Christ, truly God, truly man, and one person filled with so much righteousness and love and compassion even for people like us. Let's pray.